0: Hey, everybody, Jim Kerr here. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Indispensable Conversation. I am so psyched to get into this with my guest today. Her name is Kathy Caprino. She's a leadership coach. She's a speaker, a senior Forbes contributor, and she hosts a podcast called Finding Brave. Um, she draws on her work as a corporate therapist to help people dig deeper and discover the right work and illuminate that to the world. Uh, it's this background that makes Kathy really the absolute right guest for this episode of the Indispensable Conversation, where we explore the question, how can we assess if the grass is really greener over there? It's a terrific topic to begin the year with, and I hope that you'll find it indispensable. Kathy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jim. Thrilled to be here.
0: You know, let's jump right in. So, Kathy, how can we assess if the grass is really greener over there?
1: So I wish we had about 10 hours because it's it's a deep, fantastic question. I would love to address it s- straight on and then we can kind of peel the onion because it's a deep issue. So there's two ways I hear this question a lot being a, a career coach. One is how do I a- a assess if I should chuck this career? Mm. But another question I get is, uh, when do I know it's time to leave my employer? So I'm going to just touch on two of those. But the very first thing, if I go straight on with action steps, you know, I've come up with this model for change. If you want to change your career, there's five steps. I'm going to share them quick. Step back for an empowered perspective of who you are. And that's a whole process. You know, a lot of people forget what the value they have, or they've never even recognized that, right? Step back. The second is let go of the thinking patterns and behaviors that keep Mm. you stuck. Mm -hmm. That's a huge one. Number three is say yes to your most compelling visions. Let's not just go a little bit. Let's think about what do I really want? What's the Mm. legacy I want to leave, right? But number four hits on this which is try it on. Mm. Vet it physically, emotionally, behaviorally. Don't just leap, which is, I think, the biggest mistake career pivoters or changers make. And the fifth is anything big you're going to do, you need accountability, you need a structure, and you need a plan. But to this point, if you're thinking about, look, I'm in this career... And a lot is going wrong. What what I'd ask you to think about is really take some time to dimensionalize exactly what isn't right. A lot of people, for instance, have a toxic boss. Mm. We were going to talk about toxicity. But, uh, <laughs> it, and what happens is that colors everything. If you have narcissism in the workplace or you're being mistreated in your company, mm-hmm. what happens is it weathers you, it beats you down. Mm-hmm. And it, what happens is I call it the pendulum swing. Mm-hmm. You're you become broken down in what you're doing, you know, and so you want to jump. And so I did that. I wasn't actually a corporate psychologist. I was a a, a VP marketing publishing. I became a therapist afterward.
0: Oh, okay. But yeah. that's
1: what I did. I got laid off in my last job after 9/11 and I really snapped. Mm-hmm. And said, I can't do, I don't ever want to return to that. And I'm so glad I became a therapist in terms of the training, but the actual identity wasn't correct. Mm-hmm. So, to answer the question, we have to look at exactly what isn't working. And we have to first shift ourselves to be the most powerful we can be, the most, you know, uh, confident, have the most sure. self esteem, self trust. Then we look at, what do I hate about this? Right. That a new career would actually change, well, and well, then there's gonna, a path to figuring we're out. We're going to get think. at
0: a lot of this, I think, in in our conversation today, Kathy. Right. You know, so I mean, I never ask a question of a guest that I don't have an answer for, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So, so when I was thinking about this question, I I really feel like, and, and I think you're saying this as well, it really starts with us, right? 100%. So it's knowing yourself, knowing what you care about what your ambitions are, you know, and then doing the due diligence to determine whether or not there really is a potential someplace else that's going to be more fulfilling and and more helpful to you on your path, which kind of leads me to the next question. Do you think it's normal for people to be regularly comparing themselves to each other? I mean, it seems like that's part of this grass is greener kind of, kind of issue.
1: I mean, I think it's a normal human instinct and experience. The thing is, I always say comparison is the death of peace.
0: Mm.
1: Um, Comparison is great when it inspires you. Uh, Gretchen Rubin, I interviewed years ago, the, you know, happiness project um, expert. And she said, before she became a writer, I think it was Harvard. She had gone to a a great school and she would get the alumni newsletter Mm. and she would look at what people were doing and she was a lawyer, I think, at the time. And she kind of couldn't care less what, what the lawyers were saying. It was the writers mm-hmm. that made her very green with envy. Mm-hmm. So, yes, comparing when it gives you information about what you wish for yourself, that's useful. Mm-hmm. And if you're green with envy about this, that, and the other thing, it's time to look at, is this something I really want? Right. or What you don't want to do in comparing is to just come out a loser. You know, I, a lot of people, you know, social media is everywhere. LinkedIn, we're on LinkedIn right now. People look at the vanity metrics. Mm -hmm. You know, I have this many followers. You Mm -hmm. have this many followers. When, when that kind of comparison just makes you feel less than, It's the wrong focus. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think most people compare. Yeah, I
0: mean, I'm with you. I think it's part of the human condition. And I think we do it for probably a couple of different reasons, right? And first, we compare ourselves just to see, like, do we fit in with the group? Sort of like your friend was, you know, in the the story you shared. And then secondly, we kind of compare ourselves to others, I think, because we want to know where we sort of sit in the pecking order. (laughs) You know, and and that's why those vanity things on LinkedIn people pay attention to because they want to say, Well, I've got 5,000 followers. I have 5 million followers. Oh, well, then I'm not as good as Kathy because she's got 5 million followers. You know, yeah. (laughs) The
1: problem with so many of the things that we're comparing on, they can be very empty. Someone can have sure five million you can, dollars, and they, you can buy them and they're bots and then they you know uh, yeah and they're not engaging so right we really do have to uh, be very careful
0: so let me using. let me get to another question you know do, do you think looking for greener pastures is sometimes driven out of a feeling that you might have made the wrong choice to begin with and what do you think about that
1: what a great question you know when people reach out for coaching help to me, they know something is wrong. They want more different and better. But I would say 95% don't know what is wrong Mm -hmm. and they don't know what they want. Mm -hmm. And even when they think they do, in working together, we tease it out and it's the wrong direction. They've made a lot of assumptions. This is another thing I want to talk about, greener pastors. Mm-hmm. I, I teach, a course, the Amazing Career Project, and one of the modules is about debunking a lot of myths. For instance, mm-hmm. if I chuck my corporate life and work in nonprofit or academia, it'll automatically be rewarding. Mm-hmm. Not so. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have clients in nonprofit that want to leave. It depends on a lot of things. So what you want not to do is make these (laughs) uh, global assumptions. Mm -hmm. Or, for instance, I hate corporate life. I'm going to be great as an entrepreneur. Not necessarily. Your personality has to fit it, your risk risk tolerance. So I think that... To answer your question, I think a lot of people know something's wrong, but they' don't, they don't know how to tease mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. what's wrong. Yeah. and what should I do about it?
0: I, I mean i I think the fear of making a mistake impacts everybody's decision making, right there's a right. It, there's that it's
1: process
0: and the, yeah, the natural outcome can be bad <laughs> you know, yeah. if you make the wrong choice. but and I also feel like fear of failure, in general, sometimes can lock us to the to bad situations too. Right? 100%. <laughs> but also fear like, – you know...
1: I'm sorry, Jim, go ahead.
0: Yeah, well, I was just saying, you know, I, I feel like it's it's one of those things that you get locked in because you're afraid, like, if I make a move outside of this, it could even be worse, right? And it's, yes. it's that kind of negative thinking that, that impacts some of this.
1: And that's kind of what leads to this pendulum effect thing where my first book was Breakdown Breakthrough because what happens is we humans don't want to make change. We just don't. For all those reasons you mentioned, I'm afraid I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose everything I work so hard for. I'm going to make no money. Um, right. And also after you've, this was me, 18 years in a corporate career, many years of it I knew, I hate this. Yeah. I, don't, I, I didn't like really corporate structure. I didn't like working for people that I thought, you know, I don't suffer fools lightly, but I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know that that meant you're going to be happier running your own business. So it was only until the breakdown happened where I said, I'm done. I've had enough with what this is, Mm -hmm. that the breakthrough is possible. Mm -hmm. The thing is, it would be great if you don't wait, so long, if you don't wait till it's a breakdown, because that really turns your whole system upside down. Mm -hmm. So if we cannot be so afraid of failure, if we can, you know, it it has become cliche that just embrace failure. I didn't grow up with embracing (laughs) failure, you know? No, (laughs) no. But what I think we want to say in a different way is, this is what I believe, nothing is secure outside yourself. Nothing. No job. Mm -hmm. No career. It's what you are fostering in yourself. Sure. It's what you have to offer. No one can take that from you.
0: Right. Well, you know, I think so much of this gets into the whole topic of self-talk, which I've gotten into several times before in the program. I've written about it many times. I, I mean, it, I, I've been in that space for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. and um, And I think it relates to this next question, which is, you know, how do you think the problem of low self-esteem plays a role in our tendencies to daydream about better situations for ourselves.
1: You ask such great questions. And, <laughs> you know, I wasn't prepped on these. So good thing I have a, a thought about them. <laughs> Can I tell you, and this is not just to talk about my stuff, but I've spent a lot of years. I just want to say this briefly. A few years ago, what happened to? in my work is I said, what is going on here that no matter where, and I work with mid to high level professional women typically, but I work with men in all levels. What is going on that no matter where they're calling from, no matter how much education, how much money, what field, what title, they're bringing the same challenges, exactly the same. What are they missing? And I would say the answer here, and it's, you know, it came out in my book and training they're missing the bravery to face head-on what mm. isn't working and take accountability to change it. But that's not enough. Yeah. They're missing power. And, Jim, I have done a lot of surveys. I used to be a market researcher. I'm so stunned at how women in particular shun power. They say, mm. I don't want it. So I say, what do you want? They say, I want influence, impact mm. to make a difference. And I said, I hate to break it to you, but you need power for that. So I would say what came out is there are seven power gaps. And the first is not recognizing your special talents, abilities, and gifts. If you don't recognize that you, you, every one of you is like a thumbprint, you are so unique and you have so much value. If you don't recognize that, it's not going to go well. Right. Yeah. So that contributes to low self-esteem. But I, I think there's, you know, having been a therapist, I see this a lot, um, the messages we got in childhood, yeah. I say that we are who our childhood taught us to be. Mm-hmm. So if you had a childhood that didn't foster self-esteem or your belief in yourself and your ideas... Um, That's going to contribute to low self-esteem. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You know, my sense is self-esteem issues are the center of lots of personal dysfunction and unhappiness, right? I mean, overblown self-worth can be just as bad, right? I mean, (laughs) that's
1: narcissism, which I'm talking about every single day now. There's a lot of narcissism in business, politics, academia, and the thing is, if you don't know what that is and you're on the receiving end, it can be shattering.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it, it boils down to almost one's belief that somehow, wh- whether it's overblown or low self-esteem, it, it's sort of a sense, I think, deep down inside that we're somehow unworthy of happiness, you know? True.
1: You know Gay Hendrick's great work. Um, I've interviewed Gay a lot, but his book, The Big Leap is fantastic when Mm. he talks about that most people have an upper limit problem, upper limit in terms of the success, love, health, wellness um, that they feel they deserve.
0: Yeah.
1: And when if something pops over that, we're going to sabotage it. We're going to, It's too much. So I mm-hmm. think even you see that with lottery winners, the research shows three years after, yeah. they're back down to what they were financially. Yeah, yeah. yeah we. Um,
0: it's a set point kind of thing.
1: It's a set point, and yeah. a lot of people I know are not just afraid of failure; they're afraid of success. Yeah. What it, and yeah. Gay talks about that. What What's going to happen when I really be sure. when I step into this right. higher level?
0: Yeah, I mean, and that contributes to imposter syndrome and all all those kinds of things. Let, let let's go a little deeper with some of this. Let, let's get at restlessness. You know, so does one's restlessness with their current situation lead to more pining for greener pastures? What, what do you think?
1: I love this question. I think the straight answer is yes, and here's the problem. I just talked about it yesterday with a client. A lot of us, if you're in a corporate role, for instance, you're confined by what the parameters of the role are. And people get bored. Mm -hmm. And people say to me, I want more leadership. I want more impact. Well, so I say to them, what are you doing about that? Mm -hmm. How are you claiming that? How are you going and getting that? Mm -hmm. And mostly everybody stares at me blankly, like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. So what I want to tell everyone is, that restlessness is often, you can solve that right where you are. You don't have to, a lot of people say, I can't get the recognition I deserve here in this company. Well, have you tried? (laughs) Have you gone to the manager and say, look, I'm, I'm, I think I'm rocking at what's going on here. What I'd really love to do is also spearhead this or start this or contribute or volunteer. So I would ask you to look at what is making you restless. Now, I think when I look at my corporate career, there was restlessness plus, you know, I faced sexual harassment, gender discrimination, a lot of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. But I, worse than all that was waking up saying, is this really what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life? (sighs) Yeah. I didn't want to market other people's programs that I didn't believe in and suffer a lot of crappy leadership. So sometimes the restlessness is your soul wants something more. You oh. want to be something more in the world than this career will ever let you be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you're seeing, there's no easy answers to any of your questions. They're they're deep. Mm-hmm. And if we give a one-size-fits-all, we're not being good coaches and trainers. But right. I would ask you to look at what is making you restless. Can you do anything about it? And if you can't, like I had one client who the boss – he discriminated against her. Nothing that she asked for was he going to give her. Yeah. Well, then you got to figure out what to do. Do you go to right. HR? Do you quit? Right. Do yep. you, you know, what do you do there?
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm confronted with this quite a bit on my coaching practice. You know, as you know, I do both management consulting, going and drive big change initiatives for yeah. major companies, but I also do coaching as part of uh, leadership development. And it comes up quite a bit uh this whole thing about you know restlessness in the job not feeling committed and so on and and we have to explore that and understand it you know like what what's the root cause of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. And what i'm finding and i'm interested in your take on this too kathy is you know it seems that the folks that have entered the workforce say in the last seven eight ten years and uh, That's a generation that had it drummed into their head that uh, you know that they should not can but should get whatever they want, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm I'm pointing to the things like participation trophies and you know all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, you you tried really hard. Here's your trophy. Well. In the corporate world, as you know, trying's not trying's nice, (laughs) but keep going. What are the results, people? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what really matters is you—you know—you accomplish something, and you know you help the organization move forward. So, I'm wondering, you know, is that part of the equation here with greener pastures and all and all of that? What what do you think? No, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna flip it an answer about the opposite. So I have two kids, 28 and 25 Mm. and yeah, they have a career coach for a mom and a jazz percussionist for a father, um, you know, who did his own thing as well. Um, I think what I see with the younger generation is why am I going to struggle in a career? I hate, why am I going to put up with bull? Why am I going to be, um, undervalued. Why the heck would I ever do what my mother did yeah, 40 years ago? Yeah, and yeah. bravo to you for that. Yeah. So I don't see that. A lot of people say, oh, you know, they just can't sit still. They, you know, they're so impatient for... Frankly, I don't see that <laughs> yeah. in that way. I see that they're not going to suffer idly by... right. And not love in some way what they're doing. And not, the thing I see about younger people is they want meaning. Like when when I wanted meaning, it wasn't even talked about. (laughs) I left corporate life 20 years ago. Meaning and purpose? Yeah. No. Right. So that's what I think.
0: Yeah, people would have discounted you back then.
1: It's like what is it? I I remember, uh, can I tell a quick story about that? Yeah, sure. As a vice president, I managed several businesses and I was in theory in charge of the telemarketing that was done. And one time I was listening to calls and we had a sweepstakes premium offer for the buying this program. And one person said, I live in a trailer park. And and that doesn't matter except that she said, I can't pay for water and electricity, but I'm mm. going to buy this. And the person said, why? And she said, for the sweepstakes.
0: Mm.
1: I hung up the phone and I went, I can't do this job one more minute. But yeah. I looked around at my other vice president colleagues. not one of them had that reaction. Yeah, I'm not saying lie. I'm greater than they are. I'm saying yeah. I needed to feel like I was making a positive difference. Right. So- I think what we have to look at is what are our unique desires and values. And just because everyone around you doesn't share them, that doesn't mean you're wrong. That means you're in the wrong place. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's get at this one more way, and, and it's around fear of commitment. Do you think fear of commitment plays a role or, or, or not?
1: In being? In, in-,
0: in looking for greener grass on the other side, you know that kind of thing.
1: You know, I mean, maybe it's a self-selecting pool that I'm working with, but I hear from a lot of people on LinkedIn. I don't think it's fear of commitment. I think it's, I've been unhappy a long time. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to get happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm scared that what I'm going to do and commit to for another three years is going to lead me to feeling what I feel again. Mm -hmm. I I really, you know, I kind of love the, I love humanity for the most part and i i don't see that people don't want to put in don't want to commit i do see however on the other side i'm playing counterpoint with myself <laughs> i do think people if they've invested some time in a certain career they and they've had come to a certain level they don't want to start over yeah and they don't what i would say is a lot of people don't want to put in the effort to have mastery. It bothers me. You're yes. a coach, Jim. You probably see this. If yep. I see one more coach who's had no training, yeah. no mastery in how do you help other people, right. I mean, it's great that you did that thing, but how are you going to help other people do that thing? This is what I see the epidemic is, that people's yep. consultants, trainers, coaches, yep say they can help you, but they don't have mastery in helping you? Yeah, what do you yeah. think?
0: No, you know, I, I love Are the you? point. Yeah, and as someone who's been doing this for 30-plus years, you know, I, I hung this shingle up a long, long time ago. You
1: <laughs> <And laughs> need to, to have some mastery going well, on. I,
0: all, all I was really going to say is it, it takes a lot to, to to be able to do it for that long, right? So, right. so this, the stamina required to actually – keep that business going for such a long time. And in We're, such well,
1: volatile times over right, 30 was, years.
0: Yeah, you know, it, and, you know, COVID was no picnic for any of us either, right? So it, it, it has an impact on on the, this space of coaching and consulting. But to your point, there's a lot of really terrible consultants and coaches that make and
1: it really you. hard for
0: us you know <laughs> it, yes. gives, it gives consulting and coaching a bad name and you've got these people that are really pretty phony pretty that phony. are playing in. The and space. promise
1: you a silver bullet hire yeah. me for blip right. thousands and this is going to yeah. happen tomorrow
0: yeah Just and if aware. they're willing to pay for the promotion they get business and then you and then people that get burned. I can't tell you how many of my clients have come from bigger firms and said, man, we spent millions of dollars on this program. It didn't work. How can you help us? You know? And I end up getting sort of the second try at, at, at the Apple, you know? Does that
1: work? Is that, is, uh, it, yeah, can, it's, you're looking at what didn't work and why? Right. I mean, I like that. It gives you a lot of research. Okay. Well, these seven things didn't
0: right. work, right? Well, not only that, but I think they didn't come in with a, for the most part, don't recognize that you're partnering with the client, whether you're coaching or consulting, it's really all about co-creation. We've got to co-create solutions. We're working together. I'm not going to come in with the answers. You've got the answers, but I'm going to give you a process to help you get the answers that are actually going to be the things that are right for you. So it's not cookie cutter. It's, it's, It's built to, you know built to spec if you will.
1: I love that. I always say to clients who come to me who want me to answer, what do I do with my life? You know, um I say to them, look, you're the expert in your life. I'm yeah. the expert in change, in transformation. Yeah. Together we're going to do this, but there are no silver bullets, you know. And also speaking of mastery, you have to be a master of yourself. Yeah. It, it you know, before I became a therapist, I could I can't believe what I didn't know about myself. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's pretty remarkable that I was a grown person with two children. And there was so much I didn't know about myself. Yeah, and yeah. yeah.
0: So great. as we wind down, I've got a couple of questions, right? And, and, I, and I'm really bummed that we're running out of time here. But, you know, what advice can you give our audience on how best to address their desire to wander into some kind of better situation?
1: you know i would try to follow those five steps step back let go say yes try it on and get help and this is not a pitch for our businesses but when you're stuck you need an outside perspective yeah. and you need you need a champion who shows you i say who um helps you see the future vision of you before it's hatched. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, yes. And I also have a free career path assessment, 11 pages of questions. I wish someone had asked me literally 40 years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but what happens is we're so comfortable with what we think we know that alternative solutions don't come to us sometimes by mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. Don't despair. There, there is something for you out there that is going to make you love your work and be proud of it and respect the people that you work with and do work of meaning and purpose and make good money at it. Yeah. But it's a journey. It's a journey. Don't think yeah. it's a minute, a, a, right. an instantaneous process. It's a process. But love yourself and start engaging in that process.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and it kind of goes to my whole thought about happiness is sort of a state of mind, right? It's It's being happy, working at it. Yeah. You know, fi- finding happiness in that. And I also think that we all have to work on our self-talk. It's that conversation that goes on between our ears all day long. And what we're telling ourselves are, are often messages that we wouldn't deliver to somebody else, oh, right? right. yet we're beating ourselves up with, with this negative self-talk. So I think it's being able to work on that and start to say, yeah, you know, there's some things that I want to make better in my life. Yes. And then take the plan build a plan to get there and it can mean going someplace else, working somewhere else, pursuing other, other careers, you know,
1: one way to do it is start trying it on. Like when people say, I don't know, should I leave my job? I want to leave people with this. You're not going to figure that out sitting at your desk, looking at your screen, start interviewing, build up your LinkedIn profile, start networking, start talking to people and saying, this is what I'm thinking. What are you have any ideas for me? And who else can I talk to? Right. Don't sit at your desk and think you can solve this problem
0: yeah no absolutely um and that's a great way to 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 end it here kathy great thought thanks so much for coming on the show thank you Jim. uh it's proven to be downright indispensable (laughs) i I will talk to you next time my friend see you soon
1: hi everybody